Did you know that the perfect snack exists that not only has the yum factor, because that's important, but also packs a real protein punch? I'm talking about Wonderful Pistachios, a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Now that's a snack you can feel really good about. It's hard for me to currently pick a fave because they have several flavors to choose from, including no salt and jalapeno lime options. But if I absolutely had to, I'd say I'm in my no shells, wonderful pistachios, sea salt and vinegar era. It's the ultimate snacking solution for when you need a quick, convenient and tasty boost of pistachio goodness straight out of the bag. Whether you enjoy the ritual of cracking open each nut or you lean towards the ease of no shells, Wonderful Pistachios has something for everyone. It's time to elevate your snacking game with Wonderful Pistachios. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Hey guys, what's going on? This is Bree with the Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast. Thank you so much for pressing play on this episode. The Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast is a space for us where we can be unapologetic, and all the way real about our self-care, self-love, and healing. So this is a guilt-free zone, so leave any guilt you might have about taking time to listen to this episode at the door, girl, okay? Um, Now today we're going to be talking about periods, and specifically heavy periods and fibroids and and all that wonderfully non-wonderful stuff that happens to a woman's body when she's going through and experiencing heavy periods. There will be language and uh, just want to make sure I mention that. And I will be joined by Tiana Washington. She is a social worker and she too has experienced heavy periods. Um, So I wanted to bring her on just to share her experience with you today. And she's also going to be sharing some takeaways, um, things that she was able to do that actually changed the flow, like it, it helped her to manage the flow of her period, I should say. So make sure you listen in and get your pen ready um, because she's going to be dropping a few nuggets um, in regards to how she was able to manage her periods better. Now, this episode is brought to you by the Sugar Shack Collection. Sugar Shack Collection has amazing bath and body products, y'all. If you have not visited their site, you are missing out. If you go to their website right now and Enter code BG20 at the time of checkout. You can get 20% off your entire order. Or if you want to try their products out, you can get their Fresh Start mini bundle. And if you enter code BROWNGIRL, you will get that for absolutely free. That bundle will get you two travel soaps, a bath bomb, and a body butter balm as well. Do not miss out on this. It will not last forever. Head to SugarShackCollection.com and claim yours today. All right, let's get into today's episode with Tiana Washington. Thank you for joining us today, Tiana. Please tell our listeners uh, more about you, who you are, and Uh, Hi, Bree. So first, let me say, I have been following Brown Girl Self Care for some time now. So being on your show is an honor. Thank you. Oh, man. Thank you, Tiana. I appreciate that, sis. Of course, of course, of course. Um, Like you mentioned, I am a licensed social worker based in New York City. 
and I work with the city school districts overseeing and providing social emotional support to their early childhood programs. So really ensuring that the teachers and the principals are implementing social emotional practices in the classroom. That's my nine to five. Okay. Um, on the side, I'm also a youth mental health and wellness specialist. So I find and create really unique ways and opportunities to include teens on the conversation of mental health and wellness. Because I feel like oftentimes when we have those conversations, the teen population is sometimes forgotten about. So that's a niche and a void that I like to fulfill. Um, and lastly, me and my husband, we, we invest in real estate property and convert them into short-term rentals. So in a nutshell, that's, that's what I do. All right. So you are definitely a busy, busy woman. And I can only imagine since we're talking about periods today that your life has been affected in dramatic ways by your period. So why don't you share, let's go ahead and just get this started. Um, and I just want to say that if you hear any flubs and if we misspeak a little, you will have to give us some grace because we are recording this. It's probably about nine, almost nine 30 Tiana's time. I've had a long day at work. Okay. And so we are sipping on a little, <laughs> we are sipping on a little something so we can just get all into this. So I want to make sure I say that beforehand, but Tiana, in all seriousness, periods, Ugh. I know they're supposed to be this magical, beautiful thing that women go through every month from the age of, you know, as young as 13, 12 on up to, you know, menopause, you know, 50s, 60s, whenever. That has not been my experience. I have not had a magical experience with periods. Um, in fact, my periods have been absolutely abysmal. How about you? Up until... Two years ago, when I introduced myself to Eastern medicine, I have never had a positive, beautiful, blissful experience with my period. They were hell, 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 100%. Yeah, so when did your period, when did you first get your period? I first got my period when I was 11. Oh, wow. I was 11 and I remember being in the shower and my mom had had to talk with me about what to expect but nothing can prepare you for this weird thing that's down there that was never there before and i was in the shower there it was and i just remember screaming okay. for my mother and she reminds me that at that time my dad was also with her and he looked at her and said i think it's time go be with your daughter <laughs> God. So you were just freaking out. I can, I mean, at 11 years old, that is so young. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, I just remember her like talking with me and really trying to, you know, ease my nerves when it came to it. None of my friends had had it at that mm. point. So I was really just like experiencing it for the first time in elementary mm. school just kind of on my own in relation to my girlfriends at the time. Mm. So you were 11 years old. You started to put it. What is 11? That's maybe like what? Fourth? No, fifth grade, maybe. 
I want to say I was in fifth grade. I believe it was fifth grade because I think it was the summer before my sixth grade um, graduation. Mm -hmm. So I want to say it was fifth mm -hmm. grade. So I'm assuming none of your friends could really relate if they hadn't started their periods yet, right? So you were the first one. Girl, they were coming to me with all these questions. They wanted to know, what does it feel like? Do you feel like a woman now? <laughs> um, you know, this means like you're grown. And meanwhile, I'm like, I just want to be a yeah. kid. I don't want to have to worry about wearing, you know, pads mm -hmm. and having to clock my cycle based on the calendar. But they didn't get that until they had themselves experienced it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I completely, I can't even remember when I had my first period. I swear to you, I do not even remember my period. At least not my first one. I don't know how old I was. I don't know what it was like. I just, man, I just do not remember. But one thing I do know is that if my period was quote unquote regular, like normal, as in not super crazy, I think once I got probably to like high school, for sure, for sure, mm. all bets were off. All bets were off. So my period may have been quote unquote normal. I'm doing air quotes here. Um, but for sure, <laughs> around high school, it just got bananas or like maybe right after high school, it just got bananas. So hold on. I have, of course, a fire truck going by. I don't know if you can hear that. Every time it's time for me to record something, just every single time, I'm like, seriously, can I just, can a sister live for like an hour? Just an hour. Just an hour. I'd even take, I'd even take 45 right. give me, minutes. Give me something, work with me. So, so yeah, so probably around high school or, or I'll say my young adulthood, my period just went crazy bananas. And I know that with black women, especially, I'm hearing so many stories about period just fibroids and and super painful periods and super heavy periods you know is that was that your experience too yeah and it's um your listeners can't see me but i'm like shaking my head furiously it's so crazy that you kind of started to experience some of your symptoms going into high school because even though for me i had started my period i had my onset at 11 I would say it wasn't until maybe 13, 14, my freshman year going into high school that I really started to experience these real wacko type of mm -hmm. symptoms between like the heavy mm -hmm. flow, but not even so much just the heavy flow, Brie, but the pain mm -hmm. of it all. The pain was what really kind of caught me by surprise because up until that point, I had only had to deal with somewhat of a heavy mm -hmm. flow. I could get by with maybe doing a few pads throughout the day and I was mm -hmm. okay. High school came and I was going through half packs of pads oh in a day, gosh. half packs mm -hmm. of pads. So we're talking like maybe 10, 12 pads. And then the, the pain Brie was, think even thinking back on it now gets me kind of like, you know, in my feelings because I really suffered for such a long time before the right doctor came along and finally said to me, hey, you know, you have fibroids. Mm. So was that in high school that you found out you had fibroids or was that after high school? Girl, this was after high okay. school. 
So I went through four years of high school, the extreme pain, the heavy flows, pain that would like keep me out of school for at least the first two mm. days. And I think it was around maybe my second year, honestly, um, in, in undergrad that I started to seek out other doctors who weren't just trying to prescribe me birth control or who weren't just saying to me, you'll grow out of it or that it's hereditary because keep in mind on top of fibroids being so dominant in communities of color for women, it also has a high hereditary mm -hmm. factor. And my mom also suffered from similar symptoms stemming from fibroids. So to be honest, Brie, it wasn't until like I was leaving undergrad that I finally realized, okay, you have fibroids. We have to do something about mm, this. Girl, I know about that, that struggle. And I fear that a lot of us women of color, I feel like, I feel like a lot of us can definitely relate, which is to me, it's just so sad because I know my experience it's, it's not only taxing on your body, but once it gets to a certain point, it is taxing. At least for me, I was going through this whole mental thing where I was even saying, you know, to myself, like TMI moment here, but I mean, we're going to keep it real when I'm like, just in the last five years or so, I thought my period couldn't get any worse than it did. <laughs> okay. And I know I'm jumping uh, ahead here, but uh -huh. what I thought was bad. Oh baby, let me tell you, my period said, okay, so we here now we're going to go to the next level. I'm talking about blood uh. clots and going to the bathroom and just having just, it just pouring out of your body, like just totally unnormal amounts of blood. Like, like a murder scene in your bathroom, sleeping on towels in mm. your bed because you don't want to mess up your sheets and your comforter and your clothes and stuff like that. Um, and a funny story here. Ha, ha, ha. Um, I'm, <laughs> when I was in high school, I was mortified because um, I was, I called myself going out with my best friend. He was a male. And, um, I think we had gone to the movies that night and this is when i learned like for real for real that this period thing is no joke so i'm probably like 17 i guess 16 17 went to the movies with uh this my friend and the movie was fine but my i was on my period obviously and but i thought i was okay uh -huh. but you know sometimes your period it just plays these little games with you you know what i mean so, uh -huh. so everything is all great. And I'm like, you know, okay, I'm good. Right. Get in this boy's car and everything's fine. But then when it's time, I mean, I could feel my period. Like I could feel like the storm was like uh -huh. coming. You know what I mean? I could feel it just, uh -huh. just a ruin, but I didn't really know what was going on, but I'm like, okay, I'm on my way home. If I can just make it another, you know, half hour, 20 minutes, whatever it is, I'm going to be straight girl he he drops me off on the curb in his car again he has these sheep i think he had like these sheepskin co uh, covers or something seat seat covers or something like that i kind of remember that when i stood up oh no girl when i stood up it was like the gates <laughs> the floodgates of heaven <laughs> 
of hell <laughs> were released. And the fury <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh because it's not funny, but it is. It's like the fury of a thousand <laughs> angry vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> vaginas was just like no bitch you tried it and I tell you the blood just was like whoosh. and I was just mortified because I had stained his seat in his car and I'm just oh like god. oh my god I was so embarrassed have you felt have oh you dealt with something god. like that like when you were younger or, or older but did you ever deal with something like that Yes, yes, yes. Um, there's two stories that really stand out in mine. One of mine was a car story, so I'll tell you the other one. Um, I'm Caribbean. My family is from Jamaica. Every year in New York, in Brooklyn, we have our Labor Day parade. And on this Labor Day, this was sometime in high school, Brie. Um, it was day three of my period. And remember, like I said, first couple of days, I'm good. Well, not good. I'm like, you know, a lot of pain, heavy flow, blah, blah, blah. By day three, I'm somewhat okay. Mm -hmm. I can somewhat function. I can somewhat manage, mm -hmm. right? I don't know who told me I was cute enough to wear these white <laughs> short shorts to Labor Day Parade. Mm -hmm. But here I was, I'm 17 and I'm cute and I could wear white shorts because that's mm -hmm. what we do. And I remember I had my little Jamaican flag tied on the side of my shorts. It's me and my girlfriends and Bree, thankfully, I had girlfriends that love mm -hmm. me dearly because the moment we got out of the dollar van, mind you, at the time I was wearing double pads because I got in the habit of doubling up on my mm -hmm. pads so I thought I was okay. I popped my extra strength ibuprofen before I got out there to curb my menstrual cramps. And Brie, when we got out of the dollar van that was dropping us off, I got out the van and all I remember is my girlfriend saying, oh my God, I'm thinking something happened. I turned around. She said, Tiana, we had to go mm. home. I said, why? I said, why? I look, we look cute. We here for Labor Day Parade. What you mean we got to go home? She said, T, your shorts are not white anymore. Don't you know? I bled through all the pads and all the backside of my shorts were just, it, it looked like, like you said, that murder yeah. scene, that's what it had looked like. And thank God I had my flag, my my poor Jamaican flag, RIP. I have my flag that I could kind of like wrap around me to take the bus back home because of course we ran out of cash. We 17 and dumb. So we didn't have any cash, but we had our Metro cards and we had to take the Metro card from Brooklyn back to Queens with me looking like I just ran through a strawberry field oh, of roses. My gosh. Wow. So, yeah, it was stories like that and so many others 
you know, and at the time, you know, when you know something is not right or not okay with your body, but you're going to the doctors, the doctors are explaining it away. They're telling you that you're fine, but you have that nagging feeling that no, something is not okay. This was me in high school. And unfortunately it wasn't until I was an adult that I learned what the heck was going on with my lady parts. Mm. Wow. That's, that just makes me feel so sad that we have these kind of experiences. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we can't, I, I feel like a part of our childhood is just lost and our young adulthood is just lost because every 20, and sometimes with our periods, it's not even that it even comes on a regular basis. It could be because when your estrogen or your hormones are all over the place or whatever it is, whatever's going on, it's like, sometimes it'll be like early and you're like, I just got off my period. And you're telling me that here it is again in two or three weeks. You know what I mean? While your body's trying mm-hmm. to normalize or regulate itself. So I'm sorry that you had that experience because I know that it was not, it wasn't fun and it wasn't easy to have to deal with something like that, especially as a young, a a child and a young adult, you know what I'm saying? And just carrying that with you every single year. As though being a teenager is not hard enough on its own, right? Or even being a young woman of color navigating teen world and what that even looks like. But now you have to deal with this monthly friend, quote unquote, that wreaks havoc on your life. Why, you know, should I have to explain to teachers Mm. or bring in written letters from my parents saying that, no, I'm not a truant student. Um, in actuality, I'm home just being nursed because I feel like I'm on my deathbed and I physically can't mm-hmm. move. I can't get up. The pains were, Jesus, breathe. The, the pains were like nothing I had ever experienced before. And then it kind of starts to create this um, sometimes psychosomatic, but even psychological type of feel where every month, especially if it's not regular, you kind of playing this mm-hmm. waiting game of, oh, God, is it today? Is it next week? Well, I checked the calendar, but I know last month that was off. And it's, it's it can, like you said earlier, it takes a toll on you physically, emotionally, and you, you have to find ways to cope or else you will be in a situation where you're no good to yourself or to anyone else for that matter. Yeah, I agree. And I know that during some of the heaviest times, like I even gone went to the hospital one of those times that I remember because uh-huh. I was just like scared. I'm like, is this bleeding ever gonna stop? Is it uh-huh. ever going to stop? You know what I'm saying? And just to be fearful. Uh-huh. And people would well, don't really understand if you've never experienced this, you don't understand how someone could be afraid that they are literally going to bleed out because you know you're just bleeding so profusely and it's day after day. I remember there was a time when my cycle lasted, hmm, I would say maybe like three to four weeks, if not longer, my cycle was just on. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God. And that was during the times where 
sometimes it would be like super heavy and I would just run to the bathroom. Like, you, you know, when it, a big whoosh is coming. So you try to mentally prepare yourself for that. You know what I mean? And I would go to the bathroom uh-huh. and I would just be like crying out to God, like just so frustrated and in my emotions, like just doubting my whole ex- existence because of this period uh-huh. that is, and that's why I was saying it's a mental thing because it just goes on and on and on and it never lets up and it's always heavy. When you're dealing with that time after time, it's just mentally and emotionally, not only physically, but mentally, mentally, excuse me, and emotionally, it's a lot to have to deal with. Exhausting. It is, it is absolutely yes. exhausting. And I fear that a lot of us, have either experienced it or we're experiencing experiencing it now, or we are going to experience it at some point. Mm-hmm. At some point. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Brie, for me, I I found myself once I received my diagnosis of having the fibroid. I I found myself getting very angry with the medical system because I felt like all these doctors would say, you know, fibroids are a common thing in communities of color. This is just one of those things that happen. Maybe it's dietary wise, ah, ah, ah. They couldn't really say, but they bottom line knew these things do oftentimes take place in communities of color. But if that was the case, why did it take so long for me to be diagnosed when I was? I was 25, 26 mm-hmm. when I got my first diagnosis. I started to have these devilish pains and flows in high school. Now I'm a grown woman at 25 and this is my first time finding out and hearing that I have this diagnosis. And on top of that, now you're telling me that my fibroids are that bad and that I have to have surgery mm. to remove them. So now you gave me the whammy of, boom, you have fibroids. Let me sit on that. Part two, boom, now you need to have a myomectomy because your fibroids are growing at a rate that actually concerns us. What? Yeah. How do you expect someone to kind of take that just with a smile on their face? It's a lot. And it's it's not fair that women are having to experience that, but we do. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, so I know that you did the double up of the pads and I am familiar uh-huh. with that baby too. Girl, I am so, I was yes. buying the purple. First I went to the long, look, I can tell you the colors, always pads, the orange overnight ones, double, and then went to the purple thick overnight ones and all that. And I'm just like, this is absolutely ridiculous. But <laughs> I tell you one thing, now this is kind of funny. I want to ask you, did you use tampons at any time? I wasn't allowed up until I kind of became a young adult. Yeah. I was not allowed. My parents, you know, like I mentioned, they are old school, traditional Caribbean parents. And what that means is for a lot of them, tampons can sometimes signify that someone is grown, Mm -hmm. that they are a Mm -hmm. woman. And at 13, 14, you know, I'm still having my innocence, haven't had that time in my life yet. So having tampons just was not up for debate whatsoever. But when I became a young adult and I started to become a bit more active physically wise, not playing sports, there was a need for it. 
But to be honest, Brie, they they didn't do jack for <laughs> right. me. Even the ones, even the ones that said they were like mm. heavy duty, mm. whatever, they didn't do not a thing. So even when I got to a point where I was, you know, quote unquote, allowed to kind of start using mm-hmm. them, I decided not to because they were giving me more headache than they were actually helping. Yeah. I completely understand that. I'm gonna tell you. So just another embarrassing story. So (laughs) (laughs) at least this one is not as bad as that one. There were no accidents involved on this day that I remember, but just to show you just, this is my bless her heart moment. Okay. So you can just go ahead and say bless her heart because, so I never used tampons. And because I was just like, I'm not sticking that up my cooch. You know what I'm saying? That's what I was. I was like, I'm not sticking that up my cooch. I don't even know what this. So I was like, okay, one day I had gotten desperate. And I was like, okay, I think I was probably like, let's see, how old was I? Let's say between 19 and 20, maybe 19 or 20 years old. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to get me a box of tampons. And I'm going to wear these tampons because these are going to help me, you know, get my life, right? Girl, I bought this box of tampons. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. (laughs) Because, you know, I don't don't even, because, you know, there's like cardboard or there's like the applicator with, I don't, I, I mean, I don't even. The cardboard was the worst. That was the worst one. The cardboard. The cardboard. Up your vagina, them hard ass things. So listen, I didn't know what the hell was going on, but I just thought it was going to be a simple thing. So I opened up the box and I'm looking at the instructions because you would think this is simple, but they just, they have the example of the lady standing with her leg up and all this other stuff. I'm like, okay, I can figure this out. So I get the tampon. I think I wasted probably like, I think I wasted probably at least five or six tampons. So, cause I could not figure out how to get it up there. Like I'm looking, I'm in this bathroom stall at work. I don't even know how long I was in the bathroom. I was getting so angry and so frustrated because I would stick it, but it was, it just wouldn't go up there. So I'm like, what the hell? So the last one, I was like, this is going to be it. And I'm not doing any more of these. I got to get back to my desk. So I try to stick it up there. Girl, I thought the tampon was in. I had to walk around for like the next couple of hours with the tampon kind of like half in and half out and feeling that. (laughs) And feeling, have you ever had a tampon that is not placed correctly? That is not a good feeling. Okay. So I'm just like, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. (laughs) It is uncomfortable. I'm like, this don't make no damn sense. I was so hot. Like, not only did I waste all these damn tampons, I can't even stick it up there right. And now I got to sit here with this rock hard at the bottom of my vagina tampons sticking out not even improperly i'm just like i'm done i am so done Mm-mm. but you know with tampons Mm-mm. we have to worry about that toxic shock syndrome and everything else people are leaving them up yes. there so i was never like a huge 
tampon user. I mean, yes, there were times when I would put in the heavy duty tampon and double up my pad just so I can go on about my day for like a whole hour or two. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Right. Yes. 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 I actually started to do that, Brie, when I started to get serious with my now husband. At the time, we were just mm -hmm. dating. And he was the first boyfriend where I was, you know, kind of going out and maybe spending the night with him, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. But when that time of the month would come, I would panic. Mm -hmm. I would legit mm -hmm. panic because I didn't want to go to bed. At the time, he didn't know, like, what it was for me to have my mm -hmm. period. He didn't know about mm -hmm. the flow. He didn't know about the pain because it's kind of an awkward conversation to have with right. someone, right? Especially someone that you're just getting mm -hmm. to know. But sure enough, months passed and we started to get comfortable with each other. And I remember, I remember my first time we spent the night at each other's mm -hmm. house and doggone it, I had gotten my period. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell him. And we were going to bed and I remember going through like, having almost like this anxiety type of feeling of going through this checklist in my head of, okay, I'm gonna have to spread a towel over the bed. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to do the double pads mm -hmm. and maybe even a tampon so nothing can leak out. And he knew, he knew something was up cause he just kind of like, you're not looking too right. You're starting to sweat a little bit. Is everything okay? Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, I just came out and I told them, I said, look, every month I have this crazy thing that comes and attacks my body. And it's not necessarily something that I feel comfortable talking to folks about. But if we are getting comfortable with each other, getting to know each other, it's something that you should know. And that's why he's my husband now. He was just like, don't even trip. I got towels in the back. Get you some towels. Do what you got to do. But again, it's like that emotional ta taxing feeling on your body of like, oh my God, I got to go through this process. I got to explain it to this person. How are they going to take it? And it was just annoying. It was an annoying thing to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. I know that struggle well. And I would, I mean, you have to time everything in your life around period. <laughs> you know, and you only uh -huh. get so many vacation days at work. So on those mm -hmm. days, you can't like take two days off per period, even though Lord knows I feel like we deserve it. We do have medical issues, but it's like there's only so much vacation yes. time in the damn world. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. But to be honest, Brie, honestly, that was a big um, push for me in seeking out um, at this point, probably an eighth opinion regarding like what was happening before I know it was fibroids and whatever, because I was starting to go into the work world, right? I'm 24, 25. I'm now securing like my first official, you know, career job. And unlike high school, I can't take off work every two days in the month, nor do I want to disclose to my employed employer the reason why I'm having to take off those two days. So I remember having this talk with my parents and I was like, look, I'm going to seek someone out who understands the reproductive system because this is not working for me. And I cannot be taking off time off of work. That's just not going to happen. And, you know, then my journey started of finding out what was going on, um, you know, and going through that whole process. Mm. So let's fast forward a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
let's fast forward a little bit. And so now you know you have fibroids. You've been going back and forth uh-huh. with the doctor. You're still dealing with this heavy period. When did when did uh-huh. things so, and, and you had your myomectomy? Um, I've had a myomectomy yes. as well, and it almost took me out, actually, because uh-huh. and my doctor, oh, yeah, she God. told me that this was gonna be just a routine thing. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry. She said it was going to be this routine thing. Um, they're going to go in and, you know, I forget what the, take, take the scrape, take the fibroids out, however they do it, I forget. But, um, and that's what a myomectomy is in case anyone listening in does not know. Um, it's not the same as a hysterectomy. A hysterectomy is where they take the whole uterus, right? Um, with a myomectomy, right. get in there and they remove surgically <clears throat> the fibroids so that you can keep everything intact. And she was telling me that I should have my uterus removed. I've heard that a few times, but I'm just like, damn it. God gave me this uterus or whoever you believe in. Um, that person gave me this uterus. God gave me this uterus. It's meant for me to have it. it I I was holding on to my uterus and I, <laughs> for dear life, because I'm like, you don't have a uterus that just sets the ball in motion for everything else. Like early menopause. Uh-huh. So I was like, well, let's try the myomectomy. And she's like, okay. Because she was willing to do whatever, you know, I said, um, as long as it was like a life or death at that, you know, moment kind of thing. So I get the surgery scheduled, have the surgery. I'm thinking that surgery is going to last for maybe like, I don't know, I don't know how long it would be, four, four hours or five. I don't know how long, whatever the average time is for a myomectomy. Um, but something uh, um, went a little left in my case. And when I woke up, she, um, I was in extreme excruciating pain, like pain I had never felt in my life. Uh, my stomach was, it felt like my stomach was on fire. Like someone had lit a match uh-uh. inside my belly, my womb area. And like, I was on fire uh-uh. on the inside of my body. And so they had to call the ambulance to come and get me because I couldn't go home. It was supposed to be an outpatient procedure. Like you rest for a few hours and you go home and you just chill out for however many weeks, what, six weeks or whatever. Unfortunately, uh-huh. they had to call the ambulance. So just to get me into the ambulance, just imagine that, imagine you have a piece of glass in your foot and every time you walk, you feel the most excruciating pain in your foot. Uh-huh. That's what it was like to be transported from the ambulance, from the, the to surgery, surgical place to the ambulance, from the ambulance, because they had to put me on the gurney. Then I had to get an MRI or something where they put you in the thing, so to be transferred to that thing, then to be lifted on the bed. Every time they moved me, I just thought, I, I don't even know what I was thinking. I can't even describe this pain to you. It was like my stomach, my intestines, my all of my insides were on fire and it was it could not be extinguished that's the only way i can describe it so every time they moved me was the most excruciating pain i had ever felt in my life and so i ended up being in the hospital for maybe like three or four days so this was clearly not outpatient i had to have a blood like a blood transfusion because i had lost a lot of blood so when people tell me that they have heavy periods and that they they're having surgery and stuff, I just know what that is like. It is not a simple thing in a lot of cases. It's just not the whole process of us having periods in our community is major 
once we start having these problems, you know? So I still have my uterus and now I'm dealing with another set of problems. <laughs> like my period, I haven't had my period. Now I haven't had my period for like, so that, I had my surgery in February, 2017. Why was my period still heavy after the surgery? I said, I know you lying. So I'm dealing with all this no. heavy sis. It is just now in like the last six to nine months and my period has been normal-ish. And now it's been, I haven't had my period since like March sometime. Now that's uh. three months. I don't know what's going on. Uh. So this is serious for us. This is serious for us. It's serious for women of color. These periods are no joke. And we need to make sure that we are with doctors that have our best interest at heart, that will listen to us, that will advocate for us, not brush us aside, tell us it's no big deal, go home, you'll be fine, because this is not a game. You know what I'm saying? Who showed you that it was okay to aim high and go for your dreams while also just being yourself? For me, it was radio host Big Boy, Oprah, and KTLA news reporter Gail Anderson. In part, these people are the reason why this podcast specifically exists. This is the power of Black representation in media. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is more than a podcast. It's a celebration of Blackness from NPR where every voice is as distinct and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In this collection, you'll find stories of joy, resilience, and empowerment. Each episode, a living account of what it means to be Black today. From the intricate narratives of The Wire to the wisdom of Michelle Obama and the urgent call for reparations, Black Stories, Black Truths really is the truth. Space wasn't always made for our perspective, so NPR's new collection is necessary as it celebrates the richness of the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. My hair is kinky, it's coily, it's beautiful, it's all the things, but the dryness is real, so it's also prone to feeling parched. This is why Waze Anti-Frizz Cream is my new BFF. It not only changes frizz, but helps my hair feel more hydrated. Listen, summer is coming. We are trying to be outside, going to brunch, plus traveling, and summer activities aren't always kind to our strands, okay? So let me tell you what I do for this. I wash my hair every one to two weeks. Don't sleep on Waze Detox Shampoo, by the way, if you have hard water or buildup. I detangle, I smooth in a little of the Way Anti-Frizz Cream, then shingle in my natural gel. My hair is frizz-free, it's hydrated, and it's cute for days. Love sleek styles? Waze Anti-Frizz Cream works as a heat protectant up to 450 degrees as well. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code self-care for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com, promo code self-care. Feeling more grounded and relaxed is Black Girl Peace for me. And so I really need that while doing things like 
uh, tackling my to-do list or even braving this crazy LA traffic. If you know, you know. So something that helps me tap in is Recess Mood. It's a delicious sparkling water made to enhance your relaxation time and mood without any alcohol involved. So what you will get instead is real fruit, mood lifting magnesium, and stress balancing adaptogens. And again, no alcohol plus no added sugar. So I've tried all the flavors and I really, really like strawberry rose. It's like um, a little burst of peace in the middle of chaos because again, for real, navigating this Cali traffic is insane. Now, recess mood is not only my go-to for staying balanced while on the go, but it's also good for chilling at home too. It's like having a little slice of relaxation right in the palm of your hand. So next time you need a little pick-me-up without the alcohol, without the hangover, give recess mood a shot. It's been a fantastic addition to my routine. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com forward slash self-care and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. So for anyone that's listening to the sound of our voices as we continue this podcast, just know that if you don't feel like you have the right doctor, I encourage you to keep looking. You got to find someone that's going to take you seriously and do what you want them to do and listen to you. Right? Right. I am... Mm, I'm throwing up prayer hands right now because you're speaking facts. Um, and I'm, first, I'm so sorry that you had to and are still experiencing the remnants of your surgery that you had two years ago. That is insane. And I'm, I'm having one of those weird, like, um, parallel experiences because my surgery was also in 2017, November. And I'll never forget, um, when I found out I had the fibroid, doctor said, come back three to six months. We need to monitor it. They have a tendency to grow. Mm -hmm. Now, to my own fault, like I mentioned, I am a very busy individual. It's it's a the running joke amongst all my friends. T, you always busy. That three to six months passed free, and I did not go back to the doctor. I didn't go back to the doctor until I want to say maybe a year and some change after. And the fibroid had more than doubled. Mm. So that's when the conversation came of, we need to have a myomectomy because the growth is not typical, especially for someone of your age. I was in my late 20s. I'm still young, right? We have the myomectomy. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind, when we talk about taxing and your, your emotional health and how important it is to check in with yourself, this was, I don't even know if it was six months after I got married. My husband and I married that May 2017. That October, I got the diagnosis. November, I'm in for mm. surgery. Had the myomectomy, came out, and you know, unlike you, thankfully, I'm doing air quotes. I didn't have that pain that you're saying, but what I did get was a bombshell of, you know, Miss Washington. We went in and you know we successfully removed the fibroids. However, we also 
realize that you also had stage four endometriosis. Mm. I'm sitting there <laughs> on the bed like, stage four what? Now you hear stage four anything and you already know that that's not anything good. How the hell I go to a stage four and I didn't even know I was at a stage one. And my then doctor at the time explained to me that, you know, endometriosis was something that again, is so common in communities of color for women, but oftentimes goes undetected unless they're having some type of surgical procedure or they're getting some type of scanning and imaging done and then it comes up. Sis, I've been seeing you for how long? I've been telling you how much pains I've been having. And one of the telltale signs, just for your listeners who are listening of endometriosis, are those type of pains that you just can't explain. Those pains where it feels like I'm probably going to mm. die. That's what it feels like. And I had explained to my you know, GYN at the time, that is what I was experiencing on top of having these fibroids. And it wasn't until I had my myomectomy that you discovered that I had endometriosis. That was not okay to me. And it was at that moment, I remember breathe, November, 2017, I said, Western medicine has failed me because now you had to cut me up. You took out my fibroids. Now you seem to have endometriosis, which causes a lot of scar tissue. I said, I'm done. And that's when I kind of, I guess, began my journey of seeking out alternative medicines, more holistic type of medicines um, to help kind of cure my body in a sense. Mm. So tell us, what are some of the things that you were able to do or what, what, what things did you start doing to take back your health, take recontrol of your life mm. and, and get these periods under control? Tell us more about that process and what you learned with this, with this, um, what is it? Eastern approach to medicine, would you say? Mm -hmm. Eastern medicine, yeah. Eastern medicine, or some folks refer to as traditional Chinese medicine. Yeah. Um, honestly, Brie, the first part of that journey for me was really forgiving myself because I was so, um, I was really hard on myself for some time for letting as much time pass as I did when the doctor said, come back in three to six months, and I had it. Mm -hmm. um, I was so hard on myself for not pursuing it earlier, but I got to a point where I said, you know what, stop, stop blaming yourself because aside from you waiting that length of time, you've also been experiencing these pains for over a decade. And no one has suggested to you that perhaps you had fibroids or perhaps you had endometriosis. So I realized there were a lot of partners um, to blame per se. And I honestly do what a lot of us do. I found myself on Google. I was on Google, I was researching alternative medicines to um, menstrual pain, um, ways to help kind of regulate symptoms. And a lot of what I came across was that Fibroids and endometriosis seem to be fueled by these hormones, right? Um, our bodies naturally create a certain level of hormones, but when you ingest certain 
foods or have a certain dietary lifestyle that can actually fuel it. So consuming a lot of meat or consuming a lot of dairy really helps to kind of fuel it. And I'm in, you know, I'm in no no sense of way a medical doctor. You know, I want to put that out there. I'm just a licensed social worker, but I can only speak to what I have found and what worked for me. And that December, I cut out meat. Mm. I cut out meat entirely. Now, keep in mind, Brie, remember I said to you, my folks are Jamaican, okay? So understand what that means when I say I cut out meat. And I cut out meat during holiday season. What that means is for, you know, Caribbean households, we're over each other's house, we're cooking our foods, we're bringing it over. There's a lot of oxtail, there's jerk chicken, there's curry goat, all this good stuff Mm. that I conveniently chose not to partake in. Looking back, maybe I would have waited until February of the next year, Mm -hmm. but that's neither here nor there. I cut meat out. Mm-hmm. I cut meat out because I didn't want whatever hormones was in the food I was eating to fuel my already high hormone um, induced right. body. So that was one. Second thing that I found, you know, the doctors for a very long time were prescribing me heavy, heavy dosages of pain medication, mm-hmm. upwards of 800 milligrams mm-hmm. or so. And because the pain associated with what I know now wasn't just fibroids, but my endometriosis, Brie, I was sometimes taking two at a time just to Mm -hmm. cope. And I wasn't okay with Mm -hmm. that. So I started looking into pain management and I came across acupuncture. Mm -hmm. And I'm not not a fan of needles, but I'm a fan of being healthy, okay? And I told myself, Coincidentally enough, my husband at the time had a neck injury and he was doing acupuncture and he was swearing by it. I'm like, you know, you doing acupuncture, I'm coming across it. I'm a traditional Chinese medicine. Let me try. And I went to see the acupuncturist. And what I liked about her is she spoke to me about treating the root of the cause and not just my symptoms. So whereas Western medicine for me was just treating my symptoms and putting a Band-Aid on it, she wanted to help me get rid of why I was experiencing these symptoms. And that was music to my ears because up until that point, no one had had that conversation Mm -hmm. with me. So there it is. I started my acupuncture and Brie, I want to say three months into it, this was me going consistently um, once a week. Don't you know, my periods went from, on a scale of, let's say, 1 to 10, 10 being insane, which they were, it went to about a 4 or 5. Now, some people might hear that and say, but you were still experiencing pain at a level 5. Understand that for the past 10 plus years, I was at a level 100. So to get my pains down to a level 4, I cried. Literally, I cried. Brie, I've never wrote a doctor a, a thank you note or like a, a like a you know thank you note or whatever. Girl, I wrote her a thank you note. I included a Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> gift card. I said you have changed my life completely. Wow. 
And um, those are some of the things I started to implement, cutting out the meat. I still ate seafood, so I am pescatarian. Okay. Cutting that out, going to acupuncture, and also meditation. Um, meditation has helped me so much because it's helped me to really kind of slow down and as busy as I am, take some time for me, which is what I think I was missing those years ago when I missed that doctor's appointment when the reminder went off and I kept snoozing it and I didn't go until a year later, meditation really allowed me to check in with myself and my body and my mental to say, T, how are you doing today? And it's really made a world of difference. So now almost three years later, Brie, my pains in having fibroids and in having endometriosis is next to none, which I thought I would never that say. amazing. I'm doing like spirit fingers right now. <laughs> yes. I know what that is like, girl. I know what that is like. So for someone that has mm. never had acupuncture, which I have, and you're right, all them mm. doggone needles, they stick in you. Um, describe what it felt like for you to get acupuncture. The first time I got it, it was, it was like this really weird tingling sensation. Um, and I think your mind plays tricks on you more than anything because your mind is telling you, Hey, somebody about to stick you with a needle and it's going to hurt. And, um, granted, I will put it out there. Every acupuncturist is not the mm. same, right? So for your listeners, do your research because you do have some acupuncturists that don't know what they're doing and you have some that come highly recommended and, you know, there are different ways of finding out those acupuncturists. I say all that to say, for me, I think I was at a point where I was so desperate. I was just so desperate, Bree, to find some type of relief, some type of pain management that even if it did hurt, which it did not, I would have taken it because nothing could compare to the pain I had been feeling for all these years. And my doctor was, my acupuncturist was really good at talking me through it. She let me know where she was putting each needle and what each needle, what point it was connected to, because something that, you know, you'll learn as you do traditional Chinese medicine, every point in your body is connected to a specific nerve or organ. And for your reproductive system, there are pressure points on your body that they do target. So she walked me through it. So I felt, I felt very comfortable. I felt informed. I had done my research. I Googled the hell out of it. I watched a lot of YouTube videos about it. And I also looked at the correlation between having acupuncture and pain management and the results blew me away. So at that point, I was like, girl, you could put a hundred needles in my body, do what you need to do. As long as you fix me, I am okay. <laughs> right. Right. How much did the acupuncture cost you in NYC? So for me, thankfully, my insurance covered my acupuncture. For my girlfriends that I have recommended for it, whose insurance do not cover it, I've heard it can cost anywhere from 35 up until 60, sometimes 70 per session. That being said, 
There are low-cost and affordable programs in New York City. If you Google low-cost acupuncture or even free acupuncture, where they will connect you with acupuncturists in your area or near your area where you can access acupuncture at a affordable mm-hmm. cost because not everyone has insurance, which can be a deterrent for a lot of people to access Eastern medicine, because that's another thing too. Insurance companies oftentimes don't cover Eastern medicine. They just don't. So I would say for sure, if your listeners, you know, hear this episode and they feel like maybe this is something I want to look into, please, please do your research. Don't let the first or second person you find deter you if they say something or the course doesn't sound right, because there are affordable programs out there for folks to access Eastern medicine like acupuncture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I did not get acupuncture. I don't think I did for specifically for periods, but um, what did I go for? Oh, I was, I think I was doing acupuncture for like when I was dealing with like depression. I feel like that's when I was getting it, but I can't even remember, Mm -hmm. but, um, I had several sessions and the place that I go to probably similarly priced. I don't think my insurance paid for it, but I think I was paying maybe like $35 a session or something like that. She was really good. And it definitely Mm -hmm. helped, you know, to some capacity. I didn't go as long as I probably should have, but I was just trying different things to see what felt like right for me. But I'm glad that you took your health into your own hands because I think that we need to have a combination of like Western medicine, Eastern wet medicine, you know, and whatever other, I don't know, thing that you can think of prayer. Like you need to attack it on all fronts because if you're oh, thinking of just Western medicine, which and and don't get me wrong, the doctors here and and the 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 healthcare that we have, um, I'm thankful that I have healthcare. I am absolutely thankful that I have healthcare, but I don't think it's like the end all of of treatment. Right. You know what I'm saying? I think sometimes it takes a combination of things to help you figure out what's going on and get you back on track. It isn't always going to be just Absolutely. like pop a pill, you know, cause I'm not a big, I'm not a pill person. It takes a lot for me to say, yeah, I'm just not, I'm not about that life. So it is a struggle. Like when I have like a, um, I remember I had a yeast infection um, a few years ago and it took everything in me just to even finish the little, whatever they give you like you know the little i don't know what they give you something that you take by mouth for like however many days or something and just to take that for five days or 10 days or whatever it was it was like hard because i don't like to take medicine for good or for bad that's just Mm -hmm. not me so when you were saying that you were like popping those ibuprofen i felt that because I was taking like maybe 16 to 2000 milligrams because I found like when you have heavy periods, you start to learn little hacks. Like for me, mm-hmm. yes, for me, it was like things I knew would kind of stop my period because of how my body is ibuprofen for sure. So I was taking those every four to six hours. Um, but also I was reading on Google about your hormones and things that affect your hormones. Like if you have low, uh, 
as an example, vitamin C or low, I can't remember, or this is high or this is low. It's all hormones, you know? So I, I was taking like cod liver oil capsules. I was taking um, uh. vitamin E capsules. Um, trying to think of all the different things I was taking. And I would not recommend you do that without at least talking to your doctor because I was just so desperate for relief. I was so desperate that every few hours I was taking this cocktail of like cod liver oil and vitamin E and all the stuff. And it was working. Like it was stopping, it was slowing and stopping my period, which was amazing. Um, I don't know if that was a good thing or not, but thankfully I haven't had, <laughs> you know, you just don't care. Once you get to a certain point, you don't even care. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's whatever works by any right. means necessary. Means necessary. So you so you had acupuncture. You started. You cut uh-huh. out meat. So you're a pescatarian. Yes. I know that was yes very ma'am. hard. Um, and you were meditating. Um, were there any other like lifestyle changes that you had to make, or any other like self care kind of things that you did that kind of helped you to, um get your period under control or would you say those are like the top three those are for sure the top three absolutely the top three um because i even noticed after my meals after becoming a pescatarian um my body felt different Mm -hmm. and it's it's a hard thing to explain Mm -hmm. um you know for someone who hasn't necessarily experienced that but Sometimes after I would have a typical meal, which might be um, chicken and rice and peas or whatever, um, I would feel somewhat heavy um, in my gut. And, you, you know, your listeners can't see me, but I have a, I don't know, I guess a typical small frame. I'm five, seven, hundred, forty-five something pounds or whatever. So I have a typically small frame. But after I would eat these meals, Brie, I felt heavy. I felt very heavy. And when I transitioned into eating primarily seafood mm-hmm. and organic base seafood, I felt light as hell. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, this feels different. Mm-hmm. And the food was <clears throat> TMI, but the food was moving through me different, mm-hmm. if you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I was going to the bathroom very regular. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this feels good. Mm-hmm. This feels good. And although I had a, um, quote unquote, small frame, that doesn't mean internally I was doing okay. Mm-hmm. So when I transitioned into more like clean eating and um, uh, seafood based eating, my body internally felt different. And I noticed that my periods will flow a little different. Yeah. Now they weren't like, you know, non-existent mm-hmm. per se in terms of the flow, but the flow just, it wasn't as heavy, Brie. It wasn't as heavy. Um, it even, I don't want to, TMI even looked a little bit mm-hmm. different. Um, but just all of that combined, I really noticed a shift. Um, that in combination with the acupuncture and the meditation. And also, Brie, just being very intentional about putting myself first and my self-care because in being in the helping profession, like I said before, I'm a licensed social worker. So I'm used to helping others. That's just what I do. It's in my nature. But oftentimes I find that when you're in these helping fields, 
you forget to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to do, especially if you have X, Y, and Z going on. You're taking care of everything else except for you. And when I had this health scare happen, I said to myself, T, you can't do this anymore. You have to take care of yourself because you have to be here for you. And now your husband, you know, you have to be able to take care of yourself. And I became very intentional about my time. So if that man put in my phone on silent for a half hour before I went to bed at night to really kind of like shut down my brain and really kind of just like focus and get my brain right into going to bed, that's what I did. And it was hard. I'm saying, Rhea, I'm saying all this to you and I want you listeners to know everything I'm saying was not easy mm -hmm. at all. Um, it, it took some time for me to get to that point because also I found like sometimes we take time for ourselves and we feel guilty about it. Like, well, wait, I know this needs to be taken care of. I know he might need help with this, or I know I got to call my mom or my dad, or I got to check in with my sister, or I got to check on my friend. You could feel kind of guilty about taking back some of that time, but when you do it, when you do it and you commit to it, it feels so good and your mind and your body thank you for it. Mm. So I'm just, I'm glad I was able to really have that realization and be consistent with it. I'll be honest, Rhea, it's hard. Sometimes being consistent with self-care is like, what consistency? What is that? <laughs> How do you spell consistency? consistency. Um, <laughs> what that look like <laughs> but um you know i i've, I've been trying Brian. and i've been doing good <laughs> i've been i've been i've been doing okay i've been doing pretty good with it <laughs> that is really really good and so amazing and i'm just so thankful that you shared your story with us because we need to continue having these conversations i think that they're are some women that are maybe ashamed of what they're experiencing right now, or they don't think that other people really have it like that? Because I don't hear a lot of women, not that I talk to a ton of women, but I don't hear a lot of women saying that, you know, they have, or they experienced heavy periods, which led to having a hysterectomy or a myomectomy, or they had to be on birth control and, you know, the birth control did this and that to their body. It's just in those side conversations where people will kind of share, but I don't think it's as widely discussed as I wish it was, because if it were, at least I would have known that for some women, this is unfortunately a normal part of life. And these are the things mm. I should do, like, especially about the t taking meat off your plate. For me, that eliminating sugar um what else eliminating it was like sugar meat forget what else but there's certain things and you really have to know your body and it's a trial and error kind of thing because what works for you maybe only a portion would work for me and and something you right know, so it's really about learning what your body likes and doesn't like and i love tiana that you shared that your body knows what the hell it wants. You know what I'm saying? And what it doesn't yeah. want. Right, Tiana? So you said that when you started eating a certain way and eliminating certain things out of your diet, it was like a light went off. 
and your body was just like, finally, you know what I'm saying? And you were yes. feeling right. Yes. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, you have to really be in tune with yourself. You're going to have to sacrifice and maybe give up some stuff just to, until you can figure out what your body is trying to say. Because once you figure that out, it will help. I'm not saying it's going to eliminate, like you said, you went from a scale of a million down or to 10, down to five. You know what I'm saying? But we mm-hmm. have to be in tune with our bodies to know what things are going to help us during this time or what things are going to add on to the additional stress that your body is going through. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes, yes. And it is possible. It is possible as difficult as as difficult as it may seem, it is possible. I have friends of the Caribbean descent, Latina descent who, you know, talk to me and they're like, Tiana, I could not cut out me. Are you crazy? Like, this is what I do. Or even sugar, like you said, which is something I cut back on as well. But let me tell you something. When you're faced with a medical scare or when you realize that your body is in need of something that you are not providing for it, you find ways around previously held misconceptions about your health. You find ways around it because at the end of the day, you want to be healthy for you. And if you have a family or a partner, for whatever the case may be, so do what you have to do to take back your health and do it before it gets later. Because here's the thing. I don't know necessarily where my reproductive lady parts would be right now if I wasn't as persistent as I was in seeking out multiple opinions Bree, keep in mind like i i went through a lot of gyns five six seven i went to a lot because i knew what one was telling me was not correct no birth control is not going to heal what i'm going through because when you put me on it three months ago i gained 15 pounds and my symptoms were still the same so no i don't want to continue doing that and it really took that persistence, that going, keep going, keep figuring out, keep talking to people. Like you said, a lot of us don't talk about sometimes the struggles that we're experiencing or what we're going through for different reasons, shame, embarrassment, uh, cultural reasons, whatever the case may be. But how are we going to learn together if we don't talk to each other about what we're going through? And let me tell you, when I started to share like my story with other women who had fibroids or endometriosis, you know how many of them came back and was like, girl, me too. And I was like, what? Like, you went through this? Why didn't you tell me? And it's kind of like, well, you know, it's just not something that you talk about. So I love what you said in that we should talk to each other more and we should have these conversations more because in doing so helps to start that healing process. Yeah, and it helps to put that information out there as well. Because my daughter, mm-hmm. you know, and when you have kids, if you choose to have kids, you may have a daughter. You know what I'm saying? And every time my daughter has her mm-hmm. period, I'm just like all up in her Kool-Aid. I'm like, okay, so how was your period this time? Was it heavy? Was it Because I want to know. Because I don't ever, if I can help it, have her go through what I went through. You know what I'm saying? That right. was just like right. hell. 
So if I can help my daughter to not have to deal with that stuff, whether it's we're changing up her diet, like if she starts to say like, yeah, it was really heavy this time. Like, okay, let's, let's look at the diet. Let's see if we need, and if that doesn't hurt or work, let's get another appointment going or, you know, just different things like that. But I think the Mm. more we just get it out there and talk about it, the more we can heal, but we can also pass on information to the next woman or the next generation or whatever. Um, so they don't have to suffer in shame and pain like like we did, you know? Right, right. And, you know, I like you said before, you made a great point of all the things I've tried and even that you've tried. Someone else might try it and not have the same results, but try something. Or maybe you hear, you know, whether it's the acupuncture or changing the diet, you can try that one thing and see if it does work for you. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose in trying an alternative lifestyle? Like for me, I support Western medicine. You know, I don't want your listeners to hear this and be like, oh, you know, she's bashing Western medicine. No, just my experience. I feel like it failed me along the way, but I still support it because, you know, I I support it. However, I thoroughly support Eastern medicine as well, because I feel like Eastern medicine has saved my life. Mm, yeah you gotta do what works for you you gotta do what's, what works for you well as we wrap up um first of all i don't know if i said this before but thank you so much for sharing your story and for being transparent sharing your your pain your triumph all of that stuff i think you just poured into us so much and i know that there's someone listening that's going to benefit from everything that you've shared here through the laughs and the pain, you know, for this last hour of our conversation. So thank you. Um, If someone wants to connect with you on social media and just, would you be okay with them just saying, Hey, I heard you on the podcast and I'm dealing with this. Do you mind if I talk to you or can you talk to me for a couple of minutes? Is that okay? And if so, how can people reach you? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I love connecting with folks online. Um, My Instagram handle is at T Speaks NYC. That's T, just the initial, T Speaks NYC. And um, they can also follow some of my work on my website. That's T Speaks NYC.com. T Speaks NYC.com. All right. Now make sure that I include that information in the show notes as well. So they can. Okay. Thank you, Bray. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Tiana. It was a pleasure connecting with you. And I'm just so thankful that you're able to share your story today. Thank you for letting me share, Bri. I really appreciate it.